Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. to my um, to my cloud um, <laughs> whoever that on the praise team that be that be doing it like, y'all can spiral with me I'm playing but yeah Holy Spirit does the work and I'm very very thankful that you know he has encouraged you already and uh, pray with me okay um, this word isn't harsh I hope it isn't um, but it uh it gave me a it's, it's a simple message, but man, I this one of the hardest it's <laughs> one of the harder ones that I had to write. Um, so pray with me that you know that that Holy Spirit will have His way with me as I speak to you um, today. So let's go to we're gonna do two scriptures. Um, first is actually where we were. But it's Matthew 5, 13 through 16, rather than the entire reading of the scripture. As earlier, this is when we uh, talk about you all that saw the earth. This is where we begin. So Matthew 5, 13 through 16. And then after that, we're going to go to Luke. And it's Luke um, chapter 6, verse 17 through 26. Okay? Matthew 5, 13 through 16. When you're there, say Amen. Amen. All right. So it reads, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its flavor, how can it make, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by people. You are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see your good deeds and give honor to your Father in heaven. Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 26. When you're there, say amen. All right, amen, I hear some more. And it reads... Then he came down with them and stood on a level place. And many of his disciples had gathered along with a vast multitude from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who suffered from unclean spirits were cured. The whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God belongs to you. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and insult you and reject you as evil on account of of the Son of the Man. Rejoice in the day and jump for joy, because your reward in heaven is great 
For their ancestors did the same thing to the prophets, but woe. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your comfort already. Woe to you who are well satisfied with food now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for their ancestors did the same things to the false prophets. The sermon topic for today is, what did you expect? What did you expect? Y'all can be seated. Father God, just thank you for this time right now in your presence. Lord, you are indeed great and merciful and kind. I pray, Father, at this moment that you would put the reins on me, that you would guide me to where I need to go. May I speak the words that you desire, and not the words that I desire. May your people be built up and challenged, Lord. May they see you in all your glory and splendor, guiding them into all truth. Fill me afresh, Holy Spirit, at this moment, Lord, that I may be able to do what you desire in this moment. I also ask for a special anointing for your people, that their ears may be open, that they may hear this word with their heart and not just with their head, Father. Thank you right now, God, for what you're doing. And we love you right now, Father, for this day. In Jesus' name. Considering our day and age, we must make a distinction between not just the saved and unsaved, but the religious and the believer. Jesus used the Sermon on the Mount as a means of expressing the characteristics of a kingdom citizen. Where they are, we can find him. But we must be careful not to become so self-indulgent that we lose sight of not only the call, but who we are meant to be. The religious mind is on autopilot. While the merits are like, um, while the merits are like the believer, the motivation is different from that of the believer. You see, the religious use what they know as a weapon of control. They know what to do and how to do it, and are satisfied with the lower power and low presence life. It's the same as the unsaved person that takes advantage of a system and using manipulation and, weapon, and weaponizing pity, take all that they want without consequence to leave their level, leaving their level of comfort. They both operate by the current kingdom standard. Let me introduce you to what I like to call the me-attitudes. <laughs> the me-attitudes, y'all ready? Yes. Blessed are the rich in self-worth, for they will know thyself. Blessed are the ones who boast, for they shall be well known. Blessed are the ruthless, for they shall conquer the earth. Blessed are those that are not caught lacking anything, for they shall continue to feast. Blessed are the merciless, for what they demand shall be done. Blessed are the shameless, for they shall be unchangeable. Blessed are the troublemakers, for they shall be known as the movers of man. Blessed are those who are adored. For theirs is the kingdom of their own making. Blessed are you 
when, you, when they glorify your every deed and your and either good or evil and make your name great, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward among the people of earth. For they made the worst of men and women by doing just the same. The me attitude. Holy Ghost speak. That hit different after I read it out loud. Whew. So I want you to just ponder this for a moment. The kingdom that we are in right now, the world system that we're in, rewards ignorance. They bless um, trifling behavior. Uh, they reward those who scorn others we have billionaires built off sex tapes, low on self-respect, but high on their own self-worth. We have generations of young girls now at the age of 13 saying that I want two kids and no husband. We got young men who say, if you ain't got three or four, then you ain't doing the game right. We have our kids living in the jungle. Our children are giving their own money to people who express the me attitudes. As much as I am for counseling and, and teaching, the counselor has replaced the pastor. Yep. Um, yep. It's a dangerous place to be. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The self-conscious or the consciously aware has replaced the prophets. Yeah. Come on here, minister. Am I lying? No, sir. Quite right. So now we have people who believe in astrology again for some odd reason why was this allowed to creep back into the body of Christ where you can profess to be a believer but you're also a Sagittarius you're also a Cancer you're a Scorpio two masters cannot coexist in one place me attitudes what have we done and what did you expect church attendance is dropping nationwide we have more black kids now questioning whether or not Christianity is a white man's religion on the other side our Caucasian brothers and sisters are experiencing the same thing, the influx of issues with gender identity, the LGBTQ community, and their weight of power that they wield over the church. I'm going to be raw today, y'all. 
None of this stuff is on this thing. None of this stuff is written down right here. This is, I'm shooting from the hip right now. Why is it that we have glorified every bad aspect in our culture? And we put them in heaven after they die. What do we expect? What do we expect? What do we expect from a person who fear-mongered and also talked about killing their brothers and sisters while raping the women of our community? And they die miserably. What do we expect? And our children glorify these people. Because they make a nice beat. What do we expect? My God, help us today. Help us, Lord. I'm going to have to skip this. Lord, have mercy. I want you to feel how I feel for a moment when it comes to our people. Now, for people who are listening on a podcast and online, this is not me excluding the work of faith in other cultures. But I feel led to talk about our people right now. Per capita, our men murder more people. Our boys would rather fight than talk. They go to school to fight. They settle their grievances in the hallway. They don't know how to speak to each other. Our young ladies are loud and brash. Yet they scream respect me when there's no respect shown for their own selves. And yet we give them a pass. That's who they are. Me attitudes. You see, Lord, our Lord Jesus is, is very, very direct. When he spoke the Beatitudes, the reason why I read the Luke version is because the Luke version is a condensed version of the Matthew 5, but I want you guys to hear both. So the Luke 5 version, I mean the um, Matthew 5 version is nine full tenets of the Beatitudes, or eight, eight or nine. The, um, while in Luke, there are four, and four, four blessings and four woes. And I thought that that was becoming of our Savior. That in the moment that we're in right now, We have people who are poor in spirit that are submitting to the Father. From every culture, we're seeing explosions in the faith overseas because they come to God expecting, knowing that they have nothing to offer. They have nothing to offer other than what God gives. That's why he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Not that you're physically poor, but you come begging for his presence. Yes. 
That's actually point one. Thank you, Holy Ghost. The work of God doesn't begin when we decide. It begins when we understand we have nothing. In Luke 6, 20 and Matthew 3, 5, 3, Jesus tells us that the poor in spirit belong to the kingdom. What does it mean to be poor in spirit, as we talked about earlier? It is to be bankrupt of what you think you are owed. You're not owed anything. The lie of this generation is that you got control. The Lord is in control. And it's only by his hand that we can move and do the things that we, are, that we can actually do. All of our power and strength comes from God himself. It doesn't come just from us. That's why when we talk about the self-worth issue of this generation, why self-worth has taken over the place for being poor in spirit. Because in this generation, to be poor in spirit is to look like a sucker. Or to look like somebody that does not deserve to be given anything at all. If you went outside and there was a poor man or a poor woman begging for gas money, because Lord knows, let's keep it real, gas ain't cheap. I was at a Flying J, I believe, or whatever, and I was walking um, into the gas station and realized that there's an influx of people that are begging for gas money. I've never seen that before. Not gas money. I've seen food. But gas money? We walk past them. You know, they're begging. Some may not be telling the truth. We know that. Some may. But when you're poor, your pride is dead. Right? When you are in a state of absolute worthlessness and you need a way out, and you know that nobody can help you but God. Guess who's there with his arms open? God. He's waiting on you. But you have to first step through the door of the Beatitudes. It begins at blessed are the poor in spirit. The rest of these Beatitudes don't work unless you are poor in spirit. Think of the leper in Matthew 8. Jesus then got done spitting this, this ridiculously awesome 75 sermon sermon. Um, because it's like there's so many sermons in the Sermon on the Mount. From chapter 5 to chapter to pretty much chapter 7. And then chapter 8 we see Christ leaving. And all of a sudden this leper runs up and falls to the ground bowing. If you are willing, Lord. You can heal me. Please cleanse me. Now, I want you to think about, in our culture, what the leper would be. This is a person that is so vile that they cannot be touched because their corruption was spread to you. What that is in your context, I'll let you figure that out. Okay? So vile, you don't want them around you. You don't even want to smell them. The very sight of them turns your stomach. And here's our Lord and Savior looking at this leper because this leper was poor in spirit. 
And he didn't come to him saying, I am old to healing. I'm old, you. Well, Lord, since you Lord, you need to heal me. No, he bowed. He said, if you're willing, you can cleanse me. In the beautiful words of our risen Savior said, I am willing. And he cleansed him. When you have no more options, look to heaven. When you have options, look to heaven. And remember, when bad happens, the kingdom is near. In a tender heart and weeping eyes, the clarity of Christ's love is magnified. My second point. And this is the one that I, I, Minister Smalls, I, I told her a part of this one yesterday, and it's the one that I was stuck on, is that being a true believer gets messy. When you look at the Beatitudes and what the Beatitudes are actually saying, each one of them is derived from you not being in clean clothes. Um, your best suit, and your best tie, your best dress, your best shoes, your best hairdo and haircut. If we're doing a ball cut like me and Elder Hoskins, you know, we're trying to you know, make it shine a little bit. And I don't know if I got no shine plan. But you know, we're trying to make sure it looks a little clean. You know, we're trying to do our best to look like we have something that we don't. We have pastors and teachers and Christians and singers and singer families and other folk that have taken this part right here and said, no, 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 no. True believers don't get messy. They get blessings. But they don't understand what the blessing really is. So then we have pastors who have Louis Vuitton bags. And they get angry at their congregations because their congregation didn't bless them with a better watch. We get, we get uh, situations where we have uh, pastors that are pretty much provoking gangs because of their wealth. And the gangs come and rob the church because they refuse to understand that, you know, that boasting is not good in the kingdom. It's not unless you're boasting of God. We have singers who get mad because they got paid $5 less than they were supposed to get paid. We got, we got folk out here literally riding in unforgiveness, refusing to forgive when they serve the king who forgives, who died to forgive. And yet we praise them because they can sing a song. And yet we praise them and boost their heads up. And yet we pay them money that could be going to foreign missions. We go on vacations to see these people. Being a true believer gets messy. If you hadn't heard it from nobody else, hear it from me today. When you have a problem and you need surgery, is it bloodless? The surgery gets messy. 
But the doctor comes to you because they have the wherewithal to understand the operation. They approach you and say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to remove these things. And then we're going to sew you up and you'll be as good as new. Now, you go to sleep. They do their work. There's blood everywhere. And they get in and they do their work the way that they're supposed to. They get messy. The blood gets on their hands, on their shirt, maybe even their faces. The blood gets everywhere. But they sew you up. They clean you up. And they bring you back out. And all you have is a scar. And they come in there freshly dressed. And they come and look at you and say, the operation went well. Being a believer gets messy. Think of being a peacemaker. Have you ever considered what a peacemaker is? War breaks out. And there has to be somebody, a delegate, to walk out and say, all right, look, um, y'all need to stop fighting. Uh, what can we do to resolve this conflict? One side is not going to say, you know what, I feel you on that. Let's go and sit at the table. No, sometimes you got to push back in peace to stop one side from going to war. Have you ever broke up a fight? A very, very bitter fight? Talking about where dudes is throwing hammers, like just haymaking. And you jump in the middle, and you trying to keep them from fighting, and boop, you get hit, and boop, you get hit. Now, 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 I know so I've seen this folks. Some people they get hit two times. I right, forget that, man. I'm gonna, you need to square up too. They, they, they're, they're gonna get in a fight now too. That's not a peacemaker. Christians, when the insults are thrown at you in the midst of making peace, don't fight. Don't fight like the king, like the kingdom of darkness. Fight like you are a kingdom citizen. When you're getting hit. And you're pushing those people apart. And you get hit. Calm down, man. Calm down, man. We ain't got to do this. Calm down. Break up the fight. Create peace. It's messy. It's messy. Being meek. This is a strange word in the Greek. Because it deals with quiet power. So blessed are the meek, but they shall what? Inherit the earth. Do you think that a person that's meek is just a person that's weak? That just, ooh, things happen and they first one trying to get out of the way. I've heard it taught that way, unfortunately. Where the meek is a person who can be stepped on. No, 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 no. The meek person knows what they can do and they tame themselves and they serve. They know they have power. They absolutely know how dangerous they are. There's an old proverb my, my, my uncles used to tell, say this to me, better to be a soldier in a garden than a gardener at war. What that means is that the dangerous man that's been trained for war is in the garden. 
But you don't want no gardener in no war zone. It's better to know what you can do and tame it and serve than to be uncontrollable. That doesn't have to just be, be with physical power. That's even with singers. That's with dancers. That's with people in the pulpit. When you're on your job and you know you do, you know you do it better than everybody else, and you're like, yeah, I'm the best at this. Nobody can't do nothing. You know, you've got the attitude. You know, yeah, I'm the baddest. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, can, I can run circles around you. You are flexing your power. Now, what you should do, if the person that is over you is not as experienced, guess what you do? Because you have quiet power. You come up behind them and you lift them up. Because then the deeds of the Father are praise and not you. Quiet power. It's something that I know a lot of men in the faith have a problem with Christianity about. They believe in order to be a Christian, you have to be weak. Am I lying, men? There's a problem with masculinity and the faith. Not because of Christ, but because of us. We have said, you can't do that. That's dangerous. I'm just taking the trash out and doing stuff, you know, like, well, we in the ghetto, you don't want to, I don't care, I'm just go outside and take this thing out. Why ain't you standing up to praise the Lord like we here? Maybe I'm contemplating on the beautiful majesty of the Father while I sit here. Quiet power. But if it doesn't look like the power we think, we think that holding up, holding hands of people falling there where is power. That's what we think is power. I'm not shunning. I mean, I love watching the saints dance now. I like that. I mean, like, praise the Lord, all you people. I'm not coming against that. But what is the problem with a man being able to just sit down and listen? Quiet power. Blessed are the meek. A lady who comes in with her hands in her lap. And she looks toward the pulpit. And she observes the room. She knows what she can do. But she hasn't said so yet because she doesn't want to step on toes. She's reading the room. And yet we say that person is shiftless. They don't even want to do nothing for the church. Well, maybe you need to give them a better offer. Am I lying? We need to assess how we deal with people who have power. Have you ever walked by a person that you've never met and you like, what the world? Like, okay. You know, like, you, you know that brother or sister danger. You're like, okay, all right then. You ever had a boss or, or a district manager walk in and you didn't know that they were the district manager? But just the way that they walk, you're like, all right, something ain't right. You know, so she, it's either somebody getting fired or somebody getting hired. We don't know what's going to happen today. But you know that something's about to go down. And they're quiet, some of them are. The ones that are quiet walk in. Come into the room with me. Quiet power. They won't shame you in public. Come right. in. Right. All right, this is your performance, and you can perform this performance. Or you ain't been performing well, you about to get fired. <laughs> quiet power. Where in the scriptures do you see the Lord praising rambunctiousness? It's a meatitude. 
Where in the scriptures do you see that? Where in the scriptures do you see him saying to be loud and boastful and, and brash and rebellious and blessed are you because you're a rebel? Hmm? You don't see it. See, we bought into the lie that when we do this, we don't have to get messy. We don't have to control ourselves. We've been influenced and brainwashed by TV, media, music. All these things have told you how you're supposed to live. If social media did not exist, does anybody in this room remember when social media didn't exist? Anybody? I mean, hand, raise, hand, raise, hand, yeah, raise your hands. I need to know. All right, cool. All right, so, so now all you young folk that, um, that don't remember, let me tell you what would happen. If a person had a problem, somebody had to find them. Um, They had to find them, you know. They don't know their address, you know. <laughs> Gotta get that yellow book out, you know what I'm saying? Like yellow page. It's like, I'm gonna find you now. Figure you out. His last name is Page. You go to Page, and it's like 5,000 pages. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so you, you, you know, things took a little bit more effort. You had time to reflect on your anger. Right? But now, they weaponize your anger. So you say something crazy, somebody's like, <sighs> share that, share that. Hey, homie, share that, share that too. And then we got 15,000 shares. And now this person business in the street. And they created the wrong type of mess. Rather than them being messy, they are the mess. We have to do some soul searching in this area. Like when it comes to how we use social media, you know, the, we have to understand that that is not disqualified from being judged. You are not anonymous to God online. He knows what you're writing and he knows what you're thinking before you put it on the media. He know what picture you're going to take, you know, thirst trap men and thirst trap women. He already know. Here I know. So what were you trying? What do you think you're doing with it? And you a real Christian? What you trying to do? I bless God. Man got his whole chest out. You know, I bless God. Woman got a whole body out. I bless God. What are you doing? What is this for? Is it for the kingdom, or is it for mess? Yet, what did you expect? When your DMs is filled with fools. Yeah, what did you expect, young man? When your DM is filled with every form of trifling lady you could ever conceive of. What did you expect? If you sow in righteousness, you what? If you sow in wickedness. What did you expect? Mess begets mess, but the Christian, the Christian dives in and clears out the filth. In Nehemiah chapter 4, Nehemiah and them were being attacked, or the threat of attack was coming from multiple nations, and they were still cleaning up the wall. They were in mess. Okay? Lots of mess. The Bible said that they were in rubble, which is like 50 years of debris. And they had to clear that first where they could build a wall. But they were being attacked from all sides. They had to arm themselves 
and build. My God, Christians, arm yourself and build. But before you can get there, you have to clean up the rubble. Don't fight over the rubble in your life. If your grandma and your mama and your daddy and your granddad and your great-granddaddy did it and you say it worked for them but it's wickedness, please throw it away. Throw it away. It's rubble. It's standing in the way of you rebuilding that wall to be protected, to protect your family. Nehemiah went as far as to say, you are doing this for your family. You are fighting for your brothers and your sisters, your children. You are fighting for your wives. You are fighting for your family. If your hands don't get messy and you have not cleaned the debris, your children are left to pick up the debris. Clean up the mess. And lastly, who you are is defined differently from what you think. In uh, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Well, actually, Matthew 5, 1 through, 1 through 16. Jesus gave us three distinctions that we are. You are blessed. You are salt. And you are light. You are blessed because the Beatitudes express how even when the world thinks you are losing, you win. It's not just in the next life. But now, most of the Beatitudes use present tense words indicating that we don't have to die physically to be comforted or to be shown mercy or to even see God. It's here now. As salt, you are attracted to and attract people a religious person could not. Let me run that back. As salt, you are attracted to and attract people a religious person could not. Jesus sat, sat with tax collectors and harlots and people afflicted with many different diseases. They loved him and he loved them. Why can't a believer sit with a drunk and season their life with some salt? Why can't you have a conversation with a prostitute or a gambler or an adulterer? Hmm? Religiosity makes you lose flavor and lose sight of how far you fell before grace found you. But like salt, the believer not only adds flavor, but we also preserve. Now, so rather than running away, when we see things falling apart, the Christian gets into the crevices to stop the rot. As we attract those that disagree with us in our faith walk, we make things that were once inedible to them taste delicious. And the job of salt is selfless, if it's used right. Hopefully you ain't heavy-handed with the salt, Bishop will fuss at you. <laughs> Don't be heavy-handed with the salt. But if you use salt correctly, it's a selfless ingredient. When a meal is seasoned, you know, you don't find yourself saying, man, that salt tastes great. Like, man, that's some, that's some phenomenal salt right there. Everybody's thinking about the salt. You will always say that the actual meal tastes great. What we do is not for our own glory, but for, the, for God's glory. So as salt, as salt, you stop the rot. How many things you see around you rotting? 
in our communities and in our society that for some reason you can't shake it, that you just got a, a burning sensation to go there and stay with them. Your salt, true salt, true salt goes to the right. And when it touches the right, it stops the right. We are to preserve the cultures that we're in. You see, God didn't call just a Jew. He called a Gentile. And every culture, and every tongue, every single thing on earth, every man, woman, and child will bow. And they will be coming from multiple contexts. So you think that God wants to wash their culture away? The issue that we have in the West is that we can't reconcile that people don't do things the way that we do it. And because of that, we lose sight of what the Lord is doing in other people. You may meet a homeless person that is absolutely Holy Ghost filled. Have you ever met a, met a homeless person that was Holy Ghost filled? I mean, like, really, really Holy Ghost filled. And it stands against what you think because in this age, you know, we'll use the scripture, never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread and not really know what that means. But the homeless man is still being fed. And he or she still loves the Lord and can give you a powerful word. We got some prophets that like are intel that unintelligible, that people don't like being right. They seem like crazy people. <laughs> they don't dress like everybody else. You know, they don't wear the stuff that everybody else wear. But they are true prophets of God. I've heard so many stories of like, People who people picked at because they're just babbling in the streets. They thought they were praying. They would go visit a house in the middle of the night and say, thus says the Lord. And go on about their way and they never see him again. This stuff is happening, y'all. But yet we, we think that prophets got designer shoes and, and, and three-piece suits. You know, a whole crew, a school of prophets. You know, we, 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 they got 55 prophets on their back. You know, they're a master prophet. He's a major prophet, my bad. You know, he's a major prophet. You know, y'all minor prophets. I don't know if y'all got that joke. <laughs> but there's a distinction. Major prophet, you know, people talk about the major four and then the rest of the called the minor prophets. So some of these weird um, people um, say to themselves, oh, yeah, um, I'm a major prophet like Jeremiah. <laughs> uh, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. It's pride. And, and honestly, if you go to Jeremiah 28, this stuff is literally coming off. The Holy Spirit is, just, is doing it. This is now on this paper. Um, if you go to Jeremiah 28 uh, for your own self, just mark it, where Jeremiah was set against a false prophet. The false prophet was telling the people of, um, of, of, of Israel, like, hey, all the stuff that you lost is going to come back in two years. It was a beautiful word. It's a wonderful word that they would like to hear. And Jeremiah was like, okay, if that's what the Lord say, beautiful. Let every word that you said be proven right. But thus says the Lord. And he told him, you ain't got much longer, buddy. For profaning the Lord and being a false prophet. If a lying to these people that I'm literally going to condemn for, for a little bit. Now, you coming and talking blessings, I'm, I'm talking curses right now. Why in the world are you coming and talking Blessings, because they can line your pocket. They can make you feel better. 
How many of us have been deceived by false prophets? People online saying today that the world going to end in, in X day. TikTok and a lot of these kids told them Soul Slab was going to eat the earth up. I don't know if y'all saw that two weeks ago. Um, you know, September the 24th, they said it was the last day on earth. We, what day is it? October the 9th. We, is, is the earth still spinning? Still spinning. That dude's false prophet then. False prophet. <laughs> so, you know, so I mean, but we have to really be adamant about this thing, that we see these things happening before our very eyes. And these things are not of God. We cannot endure false prophecy. It will make you unpopular, though, because certain people that you think are saved are not. You have to test the fruit and see if it's sweet. If it's rotten, you got to inspect the tree. And if the tree is rotted, you hewn down or you cut down the entire tree and you throw that sucker into the fire. One last thing. As the light, we cannot hide. The religious person will try and cover themselves up. Put a basket over them to try and cover their light up. They may burn the house down. <laughs> Trying to cover the fact that they actually are what they think they are. Oh, you know, folk don't need to know that I'm saved. They pulling a Peter. I don't know what y'all talking about. You know, Elder Hassan, thank you last week for that. Um, for, I don't know where he just went. But thank you for that last week where he talked about how like Peter just reverted back to cussing. To prove that he went, I ain't that. You know, it just started... Some people actually do that. They get around the church people. They act like church people. They get outside of church people. They act like outside. You know. As believers, our light should shine in God. As light shines, let it repel the darkness around you. And do not fear the dark. As John 1.5 states, the darkness has not overcome the light. Our light is not from for our own superiority, but for the good of the gospel message being demonstrated through you. What should you expect? As a believer, you should expect a willing God ready to, a willing God ready for a willing servant. A work that will be messy and being defined in a way that reaches into now and eternity. When Jesus spoke the Beatitudes and the salt and light portion of Matthew 5, 1 through 16, he used a key word, are. You are. This is not optional. You are blessed. You are salt. You are light. It's not something you can imitate. When you come to him, you are. If you have any doubts in your heart, if you are, embrace the fact that the risen king who can cast out demons with a word said to you that this is what you are. You are light. You are salt. You are blessed. I don't normally do this, but repeat after me. I am blessed. I am salt. I am light. Take heart, take heart of all these things. Be watchful, 
for the enemy prowls around like a roaring, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Don't encourage wickedness with your light. Don't stop seasoning areas that, um, don't stop salting areas that need to be preserved. And don't curse yourself because you are blessed. Be thankful that we have a willing God that when we do mess up that he does hear. That he does still love us and he hasn't given up on us. I praise God for that every day. That he has not given up on me. And he has not given up on you. May we all surrender to the throne and see how beautiful it is to be with and in Christ and prepare our hearts to do the messy work of faith. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Look here, this is acapella. I wrote one thing, the Lord said, say this. So I prayed that some of this made sense. Absolutely. And be encouraged. I, I, I plead with you as a brother in Christ that's in the school district. They get to see a plethora of the results of the kingdom of darkness in these children. And other teachers can attest to this. Elementary, middle, high. We can attest to this. There's a lot of darkness in these kids. But it's not like they uh, kind of just happened. They were introduced to this darkness. And I want you to, to take heart that it is imperative that we shine our light and that we preserve what's rotting. We have boys and girls now that don't even know how to Resolve the fact that they can't do one thing without having a full outburst at 15 years old. They can't accept loss. They don't know how to. They've never been trained. They've never been taught how to deal with loss. They've never been told how to be civil. Civility to them is what the rappers do. So when they got a problem with you, they're cussing you out. Grown people. want you to process this. This is not cute. It's not cute. That generation will grow up and be somebody else's mess. Why don't we as believers take this thing serious and we stop and clean up these messes around us? God, give us strength to see what's going on around us. Open our eyes, Lord that we may see what is happening in our neighbors. Give us the clarity and the wisdom to put on the gloves and to get messy. And still have your spirit, Father, who a smoking flag you did not even quench and a bruised reed you did not break. Father, have your way in us. I pray for everybody in the congregation that whatever it is that you are pulling them towards for your name's sake, that you will give them power. Remove the fear, Father. For those that may not see it yet, I pray, God, that you will continue to open their eyes that they may see what it is that they're supposed to do. 
if we've made mistakes, Lord, forgive us. When we make mistakes, Lord, forgive us. Help us and guide us into all truth as we move forward as your kingdom, as people of your kingdom. We love you, Lord, in this moment. We love you, Lord, with our lives. Take control of us and do your will according to what it is required of your kingdom now. Help us leave a legacy of faith that does not just stop with our name, but that our name will bless other people that come behind us. That the legacy would not die out because it was for your sake. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to serve your people in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen. So today, this is an invitation to salvation to anybody that wants to come to Christ. Everything that I talked about cannot be accomplished without the submission to Christ and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's impossible. I say this real quick. Jesus gave us the Beatitudes, but if you look at each one, nobody gave him any regard. He did everything the Beatitudes said, yet they crucified him. Our, our Lord was put into what we call cosmic darkness. The reason we say cosmic is because it goes beyond just a local area. It's the entire universe. He was put in a cosmic darkness where even God couldn't look at him. God had to say, Lord, have mercy. I can't even look at my own boy. He was put in a full-on darkness for our sake. For our sake. That we may be able to live out the Beatitudes. That we may be able to be salt and light and also be a blessing. He did this for us. And then he rose again with power. And when he rose with power... It solidified that everything that he said was truth. And everything that he said that you can do in these scriptures are now available to you if you believe. So today, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And repeat after me where you're standing or even online. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner and I cannot save myself. And now I believe that you lived, served, and was crucified on the cross dying for my sin, and that you rose from the grave. Receive me now as your servant and be my Lord. Thank you for your saving grace and for receiving me into your kingdom. In your holy name I pray. Amen. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, 
we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.